You know, the Old Testament prophets had been predicting for hundreds of years that someday God was going to interrupt human history. God would wrap himself in human flesh. He would come to visit the earth. But as the centuries rolled on, I think for people it seemed less and less likely that it was going to happen. And then God tapped a guy by the name of John the Baptist on the shoulder. God said, you know what? I want you to deliver a message. The Messiah is coming. In fact, he's already here. And he's about to go public with his ministry. So John, what I want you to do, I want, to tell, I want you to tell the people, get ready. Now, I think that John knew this was going to be a really tough sell. I mean, I imagine, like most people that, that speak and lead, he started imagining the responses of the people. And I imagine he thought, yeah, they're going to go, right, John? Sure, sure, he's going to show up. John, where, where did you get your information? And don't say, God told you so. See, it's a tough sell. I mean, who's going to believe him? Why should they believe him? But God asked John personally to spread the news. And so John, he thought about it, and he pulls out kind of the heavy artillery. He quotes one of the most famous, respected Old Testament prophets, a guy by the name of Isaiah. And he quotes Isaiah 40. It says this, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, and the rough way is smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. This is a prophecy that was given 700 years earlier. John arrives on the scene and says, it's going to happen in the next few days. And it's a, a poetic prophecy. And I think the imagery is kind of lost on us. Because it's, it's a road-building metaphor. Roads straightened, roads smoothed. And in ancient times, they understood this because... Many times a king would announce that he was going to visit a particular village or city. And he'd send word ahead. And so the people immediately, upon hearing that the king was coming to their village, would begin repairing the primitive roads. They, they would look at how the king was going to travel and they made sure those roads were in shape. Because they wanted the king to know that they were honored that he was coming to visit their town. And so they'd break their backs. I mean, sometimes weeks, months, and all the incoming roads, the main streets in town. So when Isaiah made his prophecy, he, he made a point. He said, you know, the person that's coming is coming from heaven. And he's a king, but he's a different kind of king. He's a king worthy of cosmic repair. He's a king that is worthy of every mountain and every hill being smoothed out. He's worthy of a road like no other. 
a road that no one else should even walk upon. In fact, later John, John would say that the king's coming and that this king, that he's not even worthy to take off his shoes or to take off his sandals. John says, the king's coming. And he's like one you've never seen before. You know, this king that is coming, you better prepare and make room for him. I wonder, what preparation would you make if you learned that the Messiah was gonna come to your home, to your apartment, you know, three weeks from now? I mean, what preparations would you make if you got word that he was coming to stay with you for a while? How many of you would straighten your house up? <laughs> How many of you would throw a few things out? You'd get some things fixed. You would want it to be extra special. That's what this series, Making Room, is about. And it's not about the external preparation for Christmas. Making room is about preparing our inner lives for the coming of the king. It's making room, you know, figuring out what it is that needs to be straightened out in our lives. You know, making room by determining what garbage needs to go, needs to get thrown out of our hearts and minds. It's making room and pondering what kind of changes we need to make going into this new year. You know, it's making room by focusing, focusing on who's coming. It's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the Savior. You know, Christmas is coming. I'm 51, and it kind of hit me this year that I have far fewer Christmases ahead of me than are in my rearview mirror. And friends, I, I think that thought makes me want to prepare better, makes me want to make room for the Savior. Some of you have a reason for wanting to prepare a little extra special this year. I mean, some of you, this is your first Christmas as a Christian. You know, it's the first Christmas since you stepped across the line of faith and made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life. And so you're making room for him maybe for the first time this Christmas. And I want to tell you, if that's you, keep at it. That is a practice that will serve you well through your life. You know, for some of you, this is your first Christmas engaged as a new married couple. And so you're trying to figure out how to make Christmas preparation together. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> it's got its challenges. But it's exciting. I mean, some of you, it's the first Christmas as a parent or a grandparent. Wow, it's special. Some of you, this is your first Christmas divorced. And everything's different now. And for some, I know this is your first Christmas, maybe without a spouse, without a parent, child, and it is really gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. 
here's my point with those transitions. Whatever has happened in your life that's paused you, that has made you try and think about this Christmas. See, my prayer is that it might fire you up to make room for the king. That it might motivate you to be better prepared for Christmas this year. So John the Baptist, he pulls out the big gun. He quotes the the prophet Isaiah. And John, he's good at reading crowds. I mean, he can sense they've got this kind of cynical response. Yeah, John, make paths straight, smooth roads. They have heard this their whole life. Not really exciting news to them. I mean, why should they believe him now? And so John, John does what every good prophet does when they get a bad reaction from the crowd. John turns up the heat. John says, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And remember that, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. We'll talk about that later. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I read that. I, I wondered what would happen here at this church if I was to get up on a morning right before the message and just say, Merry Christmas, you unrepentant reptiles. John, John is not worried about his polling numbers at all. John, he's obsessed. He's obsessed with hard hearts. You know, he sees their reaction to his message. And he can kind of discern what's going on in their minds. And he recognizes a couple games that they seem to be playing. I mean, one of them's the, the lineage game. I'm a Jew. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of Abraham. And John, he kind of senses that's what they're thinking, that some of the people are saying, you know, I don't care who's coming. I don't care what the the requirements or the expectations are. I mean, I'm already a card-carrying member of a chosen race. I'm not going to sweat this one. I mean, I'm good. I'm good on this. John says, you know what? There's a new reality coming. Yes, we are children of Abraham. That Jewish membership card, not going to count for much. I mean, these stones, he was pointing at some stones on the road probably. These stones, they have as much eligibility as you. In this new kingdom, this new king, plays no favorites in that day. The average Jew's head would have spun at that point. I mean, John, he just plows ahead. 
He exposes a second game, and the second game is what I would call the dress-up game. I mean, some of the, some of the people in the, in the crowd are, are thinking, so what's the big deal? I mean, the Messiah's coming. All right, so I'll put on a little better religious show. I'll dress up my act a little bit, clean it up while he's here. I'll do as little as I need to. I'll act like I'm preparing. I can fool everyone. No one will know. And John, he just sees right through it. He says, you're not fooling me. You're not fooling me. I can see your hard hearts. What makes you think you can fool God? I mean, it's going to be God in the flesh. He's going to look you in the eyes. And he's going to see your little game. He goes, that's a bad plan. I mean, that's why John says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You know, his point is that genuine, true repentance produces fruit. It produces change. It changes your heart. It changes your attitude. And ultimately, it changes your behavior. See, it's more than just talk. It's more than just dress up. It's more than the outside it produces a new kind of fruit, kind of fruit that, that you can see. You can feel it. You can taste it. I mean, it's a new kind of fruit, and anything less just won't cut it. God's going to see through the game. John says, don't play those games. Don't play them. Friends, as you're preparing for Christmas this year, I want to remind all of us that God can tell if you're making room for him. I mean, he can see through the the clutter and the clamor in your life. And he knows, he knows if you're spending more time decorating and hanging lights, if you're, he knows if if you're worried about the the parties and the dinners and all that stuff. He knows if you're, you're wrapped up in the gift buying adventures of life that you're worried about that going well. He knows if all that stuff being right is more important to you than your relationship being right with him. He sees through that. If you're making room for him, he knows. Are you making room for him this Christmas? Little confession here. There are many years in my life that when I finally um, sat down, took a breath, December 25th, I would say something to the extent, I've done Christmas. But there were many, many times that I realized I had done Christmas but I didn't do it as close to God as I wanted to. I mean, I met the demands of the season. I got all my uh, ministerial duties done. I just did it with a little more anxiety, a little less joy than if I had done it a little bit different. And friends, as I was studying the the scriptures this morning that we were looking at, as I was studying them this week, 
I really could sense the Holy Spirit just speaking to me and whispering, saying, so is this Christmas season gonna be different? And friends, that kind of gripped me at a point. To the point that I just said, okay, God, you first. I am trusting you to help me get the other stuff done. I wonder how many of you uh, have lists maybe on your refrigerator, in a notebook, on your computer, your cell phone. Stuff you need to get done. How many of you have a list like that? Come on. Anybody deciding maybe, just maybe, what needs to be done most is making room for God. You know, allowing God's Holy Spirit to open your spirit, open your heart in a new way. You know, to figure out a a new way to relate to Jesus Christ, your Savior. It's a possibility. You know, back to the story, John, John uh, is speaking, the, the people are listening to, to him. And believe it or not, his words pierce some of their hearts, and some of them are convicted, and they cry out. Uh, scripture says, they say, well, what should we do? John, you're, you're starting to make sense. I mean, if this is true, what you're saying, that the king's coming, what should we do? What should we do? And John just shoots back, kind of very practical, very specific. He says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. It's interesting, John says, how will the Messiah know if you're actually preparing for him? by how you care for the needy, the poor. In fact, he's given us a glimpse. He's saying, you know what? It will be a high priority when the Messiah goes into full action, taking care of the needy and the poor. And he says, so you need to sync up because it's where his heart is. When he arrives... Wouldn't it be great if we were on the same page? You know, this church, one of the most generous churches uh, I've ever been a part of. I mean, this is a church that you can see the fruits. People serving and giving and helping those, those in need. You know, I know there are numerous people throughout this church that are involved on some weekly, monthly basis you know, helping in ministries and missions that, that feed the poor, that, you know, compassion and justice ministries. We had people went on mission trip this past year. This church has given a lot to disaster relief, the backpacks uh, to help children in, in need, uh, angel tree. Uh, you know, we just keep up in, up in the mark, you know, to help, help those parents, help those children. This church, there are people that regularly will catch me and they see someone that has a need and they just go, they need money, don't they? 
you know, give them this money. They need a car, they can have mine. That happened twice this year. Someone said, they need a car more than I do. And I'm making a shift and so make sure they get this. Friends, it's a heart for people. There are people in this church that get it. You know, a lot of things happen, go unseen, you know? Don't make a big deal out of it. They just do what they do. This church, making a difference locally, making a difference in places around the world, you know, when you serve, when you give, you help those in need. And God notices that. God notices because you're syncing up with where God's heart is. But friends, be careful because it's real easy to play dress up. I think when you're part of a church that's making an impact, it's easy to go, hey, look what we did. You know, this church did this or that, and the reality is we're not really working it ourselves. Not serving, not giving, not engaging. See, dress up. There's a difference between the two. John says, compassion, generosity, two ways to make sure that you're syncing up for this coming king. And then John, he addresses two more groups. He talks to the tax collectors and the soldiers in his message. You know, the people cry out, they go, what should we do? John says, don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Tax collectors in that day, they were not liked. They, they always overcharged. They, they skimmed money for themselves. And John, John's saying here, he's saying, no more deceit. No more gouging people. No more funny math. We're, we're done with that. Do your job with integrity. It matters. God sees it. The coming Messiah will expect that his followers are people of integrity. He says, get on the same page with him. I've said this many, many times. And I think it's something we all got to be reminded of. In preparing for the coming of the king, it's all about integrity. You know, if you're involved in deals that you're playing in the gray, you got to get out of it. You know, deceit at home, at work, Wherever there's deceit, it's got to go. Do whatever you got to do, but get, be done with it. You know, sit down with your boss, sit down with a coworker, client, your spouse, whatever, whoever. You know, but deal with it and just say, this can't keep going on. In fact, this is going to stop today. You know, you come clean, you, you get right in your life as you're preparing Preparing for Christmas. Push the stuff out. You know, make room for the Messiah. He gets done with the tax collectors, then he addresses the Roman soldiers. He says, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. First century uh, soldiers were oftentimes bullies. They would hide behind their uniform and they would intimidate people. They would rip people off, and it was really obscene. And John says, quit it. 
No more, no more intimidating, no more extortion, all that stuff. It's gotta stop. The Messiah expects better. In fact, we find out the Messiah really will boil it down to two questions that we gotta ask ourselves. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love people? And friends, I'm convinced if you, are to, if you were to ask yourself those two questions every day, do I love God with all my heart, soul, and mind, and strength? And do I love people? If you do that, it will prepare you for the coming of the Messiah. John, he finishes the conversation with, with the people that day. And John, John is making room in his life for the Messiah. And it's really a, a great moment. He says, I baptize with water, but one who's more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I imagine John as he's speaking, just shaking his head. I mean, he may have dropped to his knees. We, we don't know. Scripture doesn't really tell us. But he says, the Messiah's coming. And he said, this king that's coming, I am not even worthy to remove his shoes, his sandals. You have no idea how good this Messiah is. You have no idea how kind he is, how thoughtful, how merciful. You have no idea how righteous and just and holy. You have no idea how self-giving and self-sacrificing he's going to be. You have absolutely no idea because if you did, you would clean stuff up in your life. You would prepare for the coming of this king. You would make room for him in your life. You know, I mean, this Messiah that's coming, he will change this world. He will change our eternities. He will change this planet. He's going to divide history, A.D. and B.C. His followers, they will become his hands and feet in this world. They'll build churches and schools and hospitals and universities. They will feed the poor. They will help those that are homeless. They will care for the forgotten and the disenfranchised. They will stand up against injustice in this world. You have no idea the Messiah that's coming, the King that's coming. Because if you did, you would clean up and you would sink up so that when he gets here, you'd be ready. So how do you prepare because, friends, the Messiah's coming. Some want to play dress-up, pretend. Pretend they're preparing, but not really. Friends, if you feel like God is not at the top, the top of your Christmas list, the reality is, for many, not anywhere close, I want to challenge you with a few things here. First, 
Spend a few minutes each day, between now and Christmas, just spend a few minutes with God, reading God's word. You could read the Christmas story. Um, it's found in the first and second chapters of Matthew and the first and second chapters of Luke. And I'd encourage you, maybe every other day, read, read uh, the two chapters in Matthew and then read the two chapters in Luke and just do it over, reread it, reread it between now and Christmas. Let God speak to you in that. For some of you, stop, stop by the Christian bookstore. You know, pick up a, a Christmas devotional or an Advent uh, calendar, something of that nature that gets you in a routine of spending some time with God. You can go to our website, faithfellowshipffworship.com. Uh, you know, we'll have a, a weekly reading there that could be a part of, of your day. It's, it, these are great ways to prepare, to make room, change your heart, change your soul. You know, give you a new attitude, a new connection, a new behavior. See, making room for God, making room. Here's the second challenge. Fill your car, your office, your home, your iPod with Christian Christmas music. You know, there's lots of good stuff out there. You're not sure. You go, I don't know what's that. Catch me afterwards. I can point you toward a couple good CDs or stuff you can download. But what happens when you hear that music over and over, it is a constant reminder. As we're going through this season, it keeps you grounded. It keeps you focused on the Savior that's coming. Again, it's making room. It's making room in your life for God during this season. Third challenge. Think of a random act of kindness and generosity. Something that you can do in Christ's name in this world. You know, help someone in need, someone that's marginalized, someone that's forgotten. Do something anonymously. See, again, making room. Making room for God. It's preparing for this season. Here's another challenge. Clean some stuff up in your life. In other words, I call it taking out the trash. I mean, are there some things in your life that just need to go? You need to throw them out? You know, make a commitment. You know, make it with God. Say, you know what, today when I get home, I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to delete it. No, I'm done with it. No more. No more of this stuff. And just take the junk and toss it to the curb. Say, I'm done. And then last challenge, sit down privately with God and have that moment where you just say, God, this year, this year, this Christmas, you're first. I may not get everything done, but you're first. Speak to me, God. I'm listening. I'll obey you. And friends, if you, if you take that step, even take a few of these steps, it will lead you to God. It is making room for God. It's preparing 
for the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's making room for the Messiah. It's making room for God. It's making room for Jesus, your Savior, this Christmas. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I pray that um, we would just push some stuff out of the way, that we would, um, we'd make space for you, we'd make room for you. God, forgive us, it is, uh, it's so easy in this world to get sidetracked, to just chase a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. God, there's so much to be done, so much to deal with this time of the year. God, I pray we would just center our hearts on you. God, help us to make room. And God, we thank you that you loved us so much that uh, you sent your son to this world. God, we celebrate that. We thank you. It just, changed everything. God, we thank you for this time of the year. And I pray that we'd just be centered on you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And God's people said, Amen.